1: through the 90s, and this is interesting for the listeners, all through the 90s when I had that house in Maury Street, it went from 55 to maybe 60 to maybe 65, maybe even up to 67, 70 grand, but by year 2000, it was still worth about $70,000, and I remember just going, this real estate sucks, seriously, it's not going up, it hasn't gone anywhere, and by 2003 is when the rush came, so to speak, and it went from about 70 to 250, and I was going, "Geez, real estate's really good, isn't it? (laughs) I'm a genius, yeah.
0: This is Property Investory where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Tyrone Shum and in this episode on Property Investory, we'll talking to Andrew Coronas whose fundamentals for purchasing investment properties along his background in the family business and real estate have provided him with the skills to succeed as a property investor. In any given day, Coronas manages and runs his family real estate business, the Coronas Group.
1: So I'm the managing director of the Coronas Group, which is a uh, southeast Queensland-based property group. My role here is to uphold the cultural values of the business, um, is to make sure that there's accountability when it comes to production and um, to vision where we're going this year, next year and for the next four or five years um, on, a, on a plan and, and make sure that my vision is being um, ex- my vision is being driven by the leaders of the business.
0: Corona says he was more interested being on the sporting field rather than studying in the classroom. That led him into real estate.
1: A little bit about myself is that I um, finished school when I was 18, and I enjoyed the sporting field much more than I enjoyed the the um, academic classroom. And I joined my father's very small little real estate office at Stafford in the north side of Brisbane, um, of which I became a salesperson. It was a very modest real estate agency at that point, just specialising in a couple of sales a month. And we managed, I think, 40,000, 40 40 properties. Um, I have to get my numbers right. Um, fast forward to now, we've got 23 locations. I, I I grew from 18 as a salesperson in the business until about 2000 where I took the business over and my father um, was, I think, um, smart enough and, and willing enough and um, to give me the keys to the office that we'd grown to one office at Stafford, which was a reasonably good and powerful agency managing in 2002 it was. Managing about 340 properties and the sales team of six doing about 30 sales a month. Uh, fast forward from 2002 to 2017, now we have 23 locations over the southeast. Um, we manage 8,000 odd properties um, and we transact um, well over 200 properties a month.
0: Corona shares his childhood stories and memorable moments, and I find out where he grew up.
1: And a modest house north side of Brisbane and a, and a place called Stafford Heights to um, two other two siblings and myself um, uh, both sisters and, and funnily enough all three of us have gone into businesses of our own so to speak um, one runs a, fair, a successful landscaping business one has a manufacturing business in Melbourne and um, I've taken the real estate business and grown that so it's it maybe it's come from the fact that of Greek immigrants and, and descent that um, my great grandparents came over here or actually grandparents came over here from Greece at a very young age and had to make it work and maybe that entrepreneurial spirit has come through uh, our family line. I went to St Paul's School of Bald Hills, a good school um, all boys school, Anglican school uh, and look I, one thing that school taught me is about mateship, I love I love school for that uh, I've got still got a, you know, a close group of friends, oh, there'd be 15 or 20 of us that, that get together um, every year people fly in from all over the world and we're fairly close mates which is great. Um, but that's what I loved about school to be honest is is the ability to um, relate to other humans and have close mateship.
0: Through some work experience, Coronas learned an invaluable life lesson.
1: Now, I started at Coles Supermarkets when I was 14 years old and um, that taught me, they used to give a little yellow pay packet out then and I think I was going $6.45 an hour or something like that. But it taught me the value of money because I think with Thursday morning and Thursday night and Saturday morning, sorry, um, I got a little yellow pay packer with thirty something dollars in it, and I had to budget on that. So it was really good for me to put some away, and Dad was instrumental in that, in showing me how to put some away and spend some, so that you feel good about your earnings and and, and also creating a nest egg, and um, that was excellent for me those early years, and I enjoyed it too. It was fun, you know, um, with peers and. Um, working Thursday night and Saturday morning. And then, um, yeah, in fact, I've just encouraged, you know, my daughter's just turned um, 15 now and um, she's got a lot of commitments with her sport and her academic, but she's found time to put a job in there as well because I do believe an early job is a great way of giving people an understanding for you know, what to do when they actually start earning money. And they can't you – can, you can help guide them at that stage with their savings, which then gives them lifelong habits. after school. Um, I went to and repeated year 12 because I didn't have what back – we had uh, a university entrance score called a TE score. Back then, for the old listeners, they'll understand what that is. Um, And mine wasn't that great, so I wanted to do – which is kind of funny because I'm not very good at spelling and I hated reading, but I wanted to do journalism of all things, um, which is really unusual. But I went back and did night school uh, and I worked – at Expo 88 um, in Brisbane back then um, in a pub.
0: From there, he attended a game-changing conference with his father and became inspired to venture into real estate.
1: And I think, you know, there, in life there are certain things that fate delivers you at the right time when you're ready. But uh, Dad was a franchise of a Richardson Ranch, which is a you know real estate franchise. And there was a conference in Singapore because it had just been bought by some Singaporeans. And back in about 1988, I think it was, I'd finished school, didn't know what I was doing, and and um I he bought me a ticket to go to the conference, and and he we went as a family, and he was doing the conference part of it. But what it enabled me to do there was one session, I went and sat in one of the real estate speakers, and they, for the life of me, I can't remember who it was. I wish I wish I did know um, who it was, and they um they inspired me, um and I can't. I can't give them credit for it. But they talked about about what we're talking about today, mindset and goals and growth and, you know, your thoughts lead you to where you're going. And they're all new things that I've never heard before. Um, so it was quite inspiring for me. And I obviously had a value set inside me that was uh, what would make me to uh, adhere to those values. So I, um, I, uh, I loved it. And Dad saw me getting passionate about it. And he said, do you want to get into real estate? And I said, yeah, why not? I've got nothing else to do, um, which is probably the way most people get into real estate, to be honest. Uh, and so I, um, I got into real estate. I didn't have a car even at that stage, so I was borrowing my mum's car to drive people around houses. gives you an idea of, of um, what it was like. And, and because um, we had a fairly modest real estate office and offering, it, it was very mediocre, um, and I'm not being disrespectful to my dad. I'm sure he'll say the same thing. But you know, we we, we muddled along till about 1995 in in, a, in a, what you call a standard real estate office.
0: So, what changed for Coronas that went from mediocre to extremely well known in the industry? In
1: 1995, I remember the conversation between um, my now sales director Craig Gillies, who's a shareholder in the business, and dad and myself. We looked at each other and said, "You know, real estate sucks." Um, you can't make any money out of it, and it's not going We're not helping enough people, and we can't get to where we're going. So we decided there and then to um, to have, have give it our all, and and that was a really decisive moment for me, to be honest. Because, you know, when you are honest with yourself, in my opinion, and you look in the mirror and you can tell, um, you can tell yourself you're actually giving it all. I guarantee you, you'll be successful at whatever vocation you want to do. I think most people sit on the sideline and they, you know, to use a cricketing analogy, which I use a bit, they don't bend their back when they're bowling, they just roll the arm over. And in my opinion, when they roll the arm over, you get average because that's all you're doing. And also in my opinion, it doesn't actually take much more to be excellent something by bending your back and giving it your all. So 1995, 96, around that time, was a very decisive point where we actually decided for two years. But we we took a pretty modest real estate agency from um, being mediocre to being very good within two years. Um, It was a very solid agency in those two years. But but we decided to work seven days a week. Um, We decided to work um, from 8 o'clock to 7 o'clock at night and we decided to give it all. Um, Was it hard? Most definitely. Uh, was it rewarding? Absolutely. But has it paid dividends now? Yeah, unbelievable. Um, so yeah, you know, it's it was something that was a really big deal to actually firstly make the decision to be excellent at something and secondly to do whatever it takes time wise, because we knew you, you know, if you you gotta pay I, I do believe you've got to pay the price at some stage in your life. And you can either pay the price being mediocre all your life or you can work really hard for two to three years and become excellent something and make it easier later on and that's a choice people have.
0: Although Coronas and his father were very close, he didn't want to follow in his footsteps. He wanted to aim higher
1: dad and I were always very close and we had a very good relationship with this guy um, the idea of working with my dad was really cool to be honest not many people get to say they work with their dad um, and enjoy and help build something with their dad which is really inspiring but you know, when it came down to it um, I didn't want to follow my dad and I um, uh, uh, I, I love my dad dearly and I follow his values anywhere, but I didn't want to be like my dad with regard to the way that real estate agency was run back then because it was it was a hard slog for him. You know, I remember him you know, having bills and which one do you pay and which one do you don't. You've got three kids at private school. You've got a, a, um, a house, um, again, a fairly modest house, but a beautiful family home, if that makes sense. But So I didn't want to – I wanted more out of life than that, if that made sense. Um, so when I went overseas to that conference I was talking about and I heard people talking about hey, listen, if you actually put the effort in and you start believing in yourself, which I always, always had done, I always had a self-confidence, which was great, which my parents gave me, um, which enabled me to fly. And I think there's a um, – um, as a as a person, that, that self-confidence was then brought to the fore when I heard somebody talking about, well, if you have got self-confidence and you do believe in yourself, um, drive yourself to your own thoughts of where you want to go and write some goals down. And I think that conference was that decisive decisive moment that made me go, wow, okay. And real estate's an opportunity and a a vehicle. And that's what I would say. Real estate is a vehicle to help you get to where you want to go. Um, I love it as a vehicle, and this business has been great for me, um, by helping people with one of their biggest assets in their life when they're very emotional and very stressed, so you, in my opinion, you've got a very noble purpose by helping people and you can do well for yourself as well as a byproduct of that. So that was actually outlined to me that, that you know, property sales give those two things and that's when I took on with it.
0: Coming up after the break, we'll delve into Coronas' property investing journey on his first venture into property investing.
1: I remember mum always saying, imagine if we owned all those 40 properties, that's what we get every weekend. And they were, in, in times, it made me think about it a lot. And Dad would say, don't be silly, you can't afford those properties.
0: How he learnt from his worst investing moment.
1: No, very flash. They were beautiful. There's no doubt about it. But when the market turns the other way, top-end flash stuff, which is discretionary spend, really cops it.
0: And that's next. I'm Tyrone Sharp and you're listening to Property Investory. Western Australia is tipped to be the next property hotspot. If you are looking to invest and build in WA, take advantage of the affordable land market and record build times with Plunkett Homes. Visit propertyinvestory.com forward slash build to find out why they are WA's most established home builder. With over 150 years of experience, Plunkett Homes helps you develop turnkey homes across WA. To get your fixed price demolition or site works and to maximize profits and minimize time, visit propertyinvestory.com forward slash build and now, back to the show. Coronis began building his portfolio from a young age when an opportunity was presented to him for his real estate job.
1: When I first started, um, I remember many years because with an old rent roll, and dad had 40 properties managing that, that office I spoke about originally. I remember mum, because back then everyone paid in cash on a Saturday morning, basically. You know, you'd walk down the real estate office and pay your rent, yeah, um, in cash. And I remember dad had to bring the cash home, because he didn't want to leave the cash in the office somewhere. It was, you know, a reasonable value. Um, we're talking, you know, 1988 or so. And he had a lot of cash most Saturdays on him. Not his money, the trust money, yeah, that, that he was bringing home to, to make sure that it was safe until Monday to put in a bank. And... Um, he um, I remember Mum always saying, Imagine if we owned all those forty properties, that's what we did every weekend. And they were in in times it made me think about it a lot. And Dad'd say, I don't be silly, you can't afford those properties. But what had happened was, you know, property obviously is in my blood and then an opportunity came up when I was eighteen years old. There was there was a young couple who came into the office one Saturday afternoon. This is where I do believe in karma. They came into the office one Saturday afternoon now buying a house close to the Stafford office. And um They said, Can you do a contract for me? I said, Yeah, no problem. I was into helping anybody I can. I always have been, to be honest. You know, I I don't mind helping anybody at any stage, no matter if I can get something out of it or not. And that's a big thing for everybody in life, I believe. Um, And I said, Yeah, no problem. I said, Yeah, we're buying this house off this lady here, and um, we need someone to do a contract. You know, how much are you going to do? Will you charge us? I said, No, no problem at all. Happy to do the contract. You know, you're nice people. She's a nice lady. You're all happy you're doing a deal. Yep. And it was for a house at Moree Street at Kedron, and um, it's interesting. They couldn't get their finance, so the lady came back into the office because I'd helped them out for free, and said, um, "Do you want to sell my house?" And I said, "Yeah." And I looked at it, and it was it was a very cheap house. funnily enough, it was a one-bedroom fibro house on, on four hundred what what is sixteen purchase? What is four hundred square meters? Which yeah, at Kedron, no one wanted to buy because it had white edge to it. It was fibro. It had one bedroom. It had all these wrong things with it, to be honest. Anyway, it was because it was like that. It was, you know, it was probably one of the cheaper houses around. At that stage, most of the houses that were better weatherboard houses on bigger blocks of land, were selling for sixty thousand dollars, and this one was fifty-five thousand dollars. That she'd agree with the um, with the um, the people, and you've got to think, you know, five thousand dollars doesn't sound like a lot of money, but it's nearly ten percent of the value of the house, so you know, it was considerably cheaper. Anyway, um, she said, Yeah, I want to sell it. And, and um, I said, oh, Would you sell it to me? She said, Yeah, I don't mind. It's $55,000 is what I want. You know, I've had it on the market with another agency and made didn't sell it. And um, because of all the problems I said before, and I said, Well, I'll buy it. And she said, Fine. So dad lent me $7,000, which was nice of him, that I had to pay back um, at $100 a week out of my wages and, and commissions out of the real estate. All. And um, I bought a house at Morey Street, gave $55,000 out of the first home buyer's grant. And I moved into it for the first six months.
0: Since his initial venture into property investing, he hasn't looked back, continuing to invest as his first property grew in value and he undertook various other projects.
1: It was a great house in over a period of time. Um, I got equity in that house and then I went and bought another one um, and then a mate of mine said do you want to do some townhouse developments and I did some townhouse developments and then I bought another house um, and I just kept reinvesting um, into the property um, which is really into the property market. Um, and, and the old my grandfather said to me, you know, one thing about property, just don't sell. <laughs> um, and yeah, you know, that little house went up from fifty-five thousand dollars, and it's so hard to manage it, isn't it? So it went from fifty-five thousand dollars in nineteen eighty-eight, um, and I, you know, I moved into it in the end and did a bit of work to it, which was a waste of time because I knocked it down in the end and built something else. Um, but it went from fifty-five to two hundred and fifty-five. Now that's. That's five times the money, and I think it was 2002 or 2003, which is not that long when you think about it. And it's hard for people to get their heads around how values can climb. I mean, Sydney and Melbourne markets have been doing well. Brisbane's been fairly flat and, and gets, it's had a little bit of growth in the last 18 years, but not much at all. We're probably back to you know where we were, just a little bit above, um, which I, I think is my plug for Brisbane. I think it's in south-east Queensland, it's ready to go. Uh, it's got it's got incredible affordability it hasn't had any growth for eight to ten years and markets don't sit dormant for that long um you know i remember all through the 90s and this is interesting for the listeners all through the 90s when i had that house in maury street it went from 55 to maybe 60 to maybe 65 maybe even up to 67 70 grand but by year 2000 it was still worth about seventy thousand dollars and i remember just going this real estate sucks Seriously, it's not going up, it hasn't gone anywhere. And by two thousand and three is you know, when the rush came, so to speak, and it went from about seventy to two hundred and fifty and I was going, geez, real estate's really good, isn't it? <laughs> I'm a genius, yeah.
0: From this, Coronas has learned to trust that the property will increase in value over time and how to avoid issues in this way.
1: The lesson to be learned there is just don't sell. You know, just have faith in the fact that it will go up, you know. If something's at 500, it will be worth a million at some stage. Now, when that some stage is, nobody's good enough for picking, but it will be worth that much money. And if it's two, 1 million, it'll be worth 2 million at some stage. Um, so, you know, the only the only reason people, I believe, get into prob, prob, problems with property is they gear themselves too highly. And if interest rates go up or they lose their job, they have to sell. Um, if you don't have to crystallise and you hang on, you will make money out of property. That's what's happened over history. Yeah. So, yeah, bought houses, did some townhouse developments, um, got heavily involved in growing the business from 2000 onwards. So I stopped doing that because its just need to focus on one thing. Uh, and now generally I've got some, um, commercial properties. Um and look the other thing too, a lot of those houses that I bought, I got into partnerships with people. Um, I enjoy partnerships. I think they're fun. I've never had any problems with partners. Um I always put my heart and soul into it and I've always picked the right partners who are prepared to do the same thing. And yeah, for young people trying to get into the market, um, I just did a first homeowner's night for we've got 330 people that work with us here. And young people are trying to get into the market. I I worked out that you can buy a house in Brisbane at the moment. So Northside Brisbane, a good suburb which is called West Chamside, is about ten kilometres north of the town, um, near a big Westfield, near a big hospital, great infrastructure, good area, and you can buy that in Brisbane now. There was just one sale for about five hundred and thirty thousand dollars on six hundred square meters, and I worked out for the you know the young guys here that currently on a ninety-seven percent land which you can get. Um, with a locked-in interest rate at 3.99%, which was from ME Bank, I think. I don't know if that's still the case. This is two or three weeks ago we had this talk. It'll be somewhere around that figure. If you put $7,500 in with a partner each, it's going to cost about 300 and something dollars a week to start paying that house off. And I just go, the affordability in Brisbane is unbelievable at the moment, unbelievable at the moment. So they're the type of things, and a lot of people say, I can't afford it. Well, you know, you've got, As I said to everybody, it's not my responsibility, your parents' responsibility to find a way, it's your responsibility to find a way and get into the property market because you're going to see growth in it. So that's the other thing. I, I did a lot with partners um, because it makes it easier.
0: There was a time when the market took a turn for the worst and Coronis discovered an important lesson.
1: A very wise man said to me, if you build or you buy for the mass market, you'll always do well and if you build and buy for the top end of the market you can often burn your dough and um, I um, I learned a really good lesson and I built some townhouses with my brother-in-law at um, Noosa, um which is a top-end market now very flash they're beautiful there's no doubt about it but when the market turns the other way top-end flash stuff which is discretionary spend really cops it um, so I learned a really good lesson if you're building townhouses and you're building units, you've got to pick your market and your timing well or you've got to build something that it becomes a housing stock rather than a holiday house stock if that makes sense. Um, when GFC came, Noosa took an absolute dive like most discretionary spend markets and you know, we dusted uh, a lot of money on that project. Um, and it, it taught me a really valuable lesson to stay to my truths which is if you if you build for the mass market, generally someone's going to live in it at some stage because houses are something that we all live in no matter what. And if you build for the top end, they are the people that go up and down like a yo-yo when things are good, they go well and they're not going well, you'll pay the price for it.
0: And the reason for investing in this development?
1: Probably ego. There you go. You, know, you, know, you become uh, indestructible and you think you do a risk. Um, so, you know. Looking back on it, there's no real reason. My brother-in-law built four or five sets of townhouses up there, and it picked the market a lot better, and uh, done really well. And he said, "You want to be in this one?" I said, "Yeah." No problem. that would be really good. Um, but it was against the fundamental. Here you go. It was against my fundamentals. And you've got to have some values that you own yourself, and you should be true to those values. Because in a lot of cases, every time you go against those values, you'll actually you'll you'll dust yourself.
0: On coming across a particular property, Cronus acted on a gut feeling which paid off immeasurably where it felt just right.
1: There was a commercial property that I bought um, and um, it was vacant and I took a risk on that but I just had a gut feeling of, again, the fundamentals, where it was you know, in a good shopping precinct close to a railway line and a high visual location and uh, I bought it vacant and obviously there's more risk close associated with it being vacant and um, a tenant came in and... Um, paid a lot more than what I thought they wanted. This was a perfect um, perfect position for them um, and increased the value incredibly, um, which I still own today. And it was a matter of taking a calculated risk, but based on those fundamentals of... Is it in a great location? Is it highly visible? Has it got other development around it? Um, and the due diligence I do now is based on that. It must be in a growth corridor for property that I buy. It must have a current income that is positively geared or about positively geared, um, which is easier to do in commercial property, harder to do in residential, um, I must add. But it also must be a development site, so i get development uplift at some particular point in time. If I can tick those three boxes, I buy it no matter what. And if it doesn't, I don't do it.
0: He found this property by chance and at a time when it was becoming increasingly challenging to purchase property.
1: I drove past and saw a sign on and thought, wow, what a really good position. It's for sale. I can't believe it. Yeah? So, you know, it's a Warren Buffett line, the old line that, you know, you should be greedy when others are cautious and cautious when others are greedy. Um, and at the time, it was hard to sell property. Um, there was, there was one property that I missed out on, unfortunately, um, that was bought in a multi-million dollars, like, and this gives you an idea, throughout the GFC. Uh, I think it was bought in about 2010, where property mm, commercial property was very hard to sell. And if you had you know, cash or the ability to borrow money, then you did very, very well. And there was a guy who bought in 2010 when nobody else wanted a certain asset, and he bought it well, and he, and he um, I couldn't get the figure he, he bought it for. Um, but he bought it for about $6 million and sold it for 24 or five years later because the market has changed. So, you know, uh, that that is a real story in Brisbane property prices. And good luck to him. He had the ability and the, took the risk at the time that, you know, the fundamentals were this was, to, this is a property that was being offered at 8 to $10 million before. Um, and, you know, when the fundamentals, I, I, I believe the fundamentals can swing over the top and too high and they can swing the other way over the top too low. Um, And the sheep race to each end all the time and believe that's the way it's going to be. And properties don't go up all the time every year. Can we just make that on on record? But over a longer-term horizon, they will go up. Well, history has told us that, if that makes sense, yeah? So so the fact is, if you're buying in a down market with the fundamentals that are right, you'll probably get a bigger capital upside than you will in a market that's going really well.
0: So, inspired by Coronas' property investing journey, we'll continue the conversation with him in a future episode on Property Investry. We'll discuss the strategy behind his success.
1: My style is buying and holding and waiting for the capital appreciation and then borrowing on those um, properties again and and using the equity to go and do it again.
0: The personal habits which have contributed to his property investing journey.
1: I look at life like a, a, a customer and I try to make sure that I can make it as simple as possible to do business with us.
0: And that's next time in a future episode of Property Investory. Also, if you haven't subscribed to receive your free property case studies that I only send exclusively via email, you can text me your email address to 0499881040 to subscribe. These real case studies are from experienced property investors where they share specific numbers of their portfolio, the strategies and much more. Simply text me your email address to 0499881040 to get your free case studies. Thanks for listening.